Another week has come and gone, as they do. Another week has had no effect on me. Another week driving me closer to... To what? To my new and ultimate goal? No, I think not. I think that shall take a little more time. Concerting my efforts into converting this world. That may take some time. So, what has this week driven me closer towards? Him. No. He is still a wounded lion, confused and with a shattered ego. He'll be fine. You? Hmm, I think not. I'm not sure, you tell me. I would like to think we're closer. I would hope that we are. But I understand if that's not the case. I've been taking you on a bit of a journey lately. That must feel strange. So I'm not sure. Perhaps we're all closer to some kind of apocalypse. Some great Ragnarok-like reckoning. But there's no way to tell. I imagine it will involve three great-winged creatures with beautiful faces and flaming swords coming down and thinking they're purifying the world of the dark, sinister, and beautiful things within it. I like to think that I will be their champion. The champion of the dark, sinister, beautiful things. Oh, but friends, this week has passed in my beautiful tower. More and more I realize that this is and was always my home. With my great strength and great speed, I've rebuilt it. And I've rebuilt it strong. And because the interior is one large room, a beautiful, ornate room, I can keep a close watch on my recovering stranger. That's how it should be. One of us has their faculties. One of us has a plan. One of us knows self-control. Isn't that right? He agrees. I'm sure. Our fortress. Our home. The difficult thing is the hunger. And now that for some time until recently I'd been giving in to that hunger, it's even harder now to ignore and I see it taking its toll on my gentleman stranger. I see him pace around, his eyes wild and his expression frantic. 
I hear him muttering nonsense. I see the rage in his clenched jaw. This will pass, I keep telling him. It's not hard to get accustomed to hunger. Eventually it becomes a sobering kind of drive and ambition. That's what I need from him. In the meantime, I do have a story for you this week. Finally. A story about destiny and the sense of calm resolution that can come with accepting it. Or deciding to change it. There was a young man who, almost his whole life, had been having the same dream every night. A dream of a dark place. A huge, expansive place. A cave, perhaps, but it had within it a sparkling blue pool of the clearest water. The ceiling of the cave was riddled with stalactites that shimmered with dew and with white, clear crystals. It was peaceful, a beautiful place, where the only sound was the occasional drip, drip, drip of dew falling gracefully from one of the pointed structures on the ceiling into the pool below. In his dream, he fell into the cave, fell for what seemed to be an eternity, and yet he never recalled hitting the ground, just opening his eyes and seeing the black, grey, blue, and white sparkling world around him. And what happened next was the worst part. There would be the sound of rippling water, the sight of something coming out of the water, but what, he could never really tell. Because the next thing he would know was that he was pulled into the water by that something. Pulled under. Under and under, watching the sight of the cave and the little light in it slowly disappearing from his vision. He couldn't breathe. He would gasp for air but feel only the rush of water in his mouth, throat, lungs. And just as the world started to blur and his heart pounded in his chest... He would wake up, breathing deeply. Every night this dream. This young man lived in a small town. Not many people in it, he lived with his family, and he worked on their farm. Day in and day out, it was the same just as every night he had the same vivid dream of a place to which he'd never been. He had a few friends his age in town, but they were busy working for their families as well, apprenticing a trade or working at a shop. It was a quiet and simple life. He didn't question it. He didn't really question anything. One night after he'd finished his work, he went to the one tavern in town to spend what little money he had on a drink or two. He was on his own, staring into his glass. When he overheard across the bar, it's just started happening a few nights ago, and it just keeps happening ever since. And another voice chimed in. A few nights? I've been having that dream for over a year now. The cave sinking into the water? And another voice me too, but I've lost track for how long. Everyone had an opinion, it seemed, 
with some folks suggesting witchcraft, others that it was a warning, a premonition. But the more level-headed ones in the tavern asserted that, after one person mentioned the dream, everyone else, being suggestible and it being a small town, quickly shared the same dream. It was a logical explanation. It made sense. But this young man had been having the dream his entire life. He knew better. He knew it was something more. What, though, he couldn't tell. He tried to forget about it. He tried to work, eat, drink, sleep, work, eat, drink, sleep. But the dream still came every night, and every night it felt like he spent a little longer in the cave. And each time he was in that cave, he almost saw a little more of the thing coming out of the water. Almost. He felt it growing closer. The ripples on the water almost exposed it, but he never saw it. He assumed it was some kind of water demon, a monster large and strong and violent. But instead of seeing it, he would feel his feet buckle beneath him as he was dragged into the water. And in his waking life, more and more people complained of this nightmare. His parents mentioned it at the dinner table. All of his friends dreaded it. The townsfolk seemed to be walking around with bags under their eyes, with no one sleeping a full night without waking up, gasping for air. It must be a witch, or a demon, or the devil himself. The priest would speak of it in church. It wants our fear. It feeds off our misery. That is what it seeks with these dreams. We must seek it out and destroy it. Then we shall have peace again. And the young man didn't dare tell even a soul that he had the dreams too, but that he had been having them his whole life. He kept it a secret. And he made a decision. One night in the small hours of the morning, far, far away yet from sunrise, he packed a few provisions, and he went out searching. He didn't know how long he would be. He didn't know how long it would take. But he decided that he would find the source of the dreams. The demon, the monster, the witch, whatever it was that was causing this dream, he would destroy it. It would no longer feed on terror and sleeplessness. It would starve, or it would die. There were rocky cliffs near the seaside, about an hour's walk from the town. He surmised that that would be the most likely place he'd find such a cave. He wasn't wrong, but it was still a surprise when, as he was walking towards the bluffs and the night sky was dark and unforgiving above him, he slipped and fell down, down, down into a dark and hollow place. He fell into clear, cold water. Splashing and gasping, he made his way to the edge of the pool, grasping the cold, slick rock. He pulled himself out, and everything was pitch black until his eyes adjusted themselves to the darkness. And he saw the shimmering in the darkness. The moonlight reflected ever so slightly off the crystals in the cave, and the moon, distant though it was, reflected across the ripples in the water. He lay on the cold stone of the cave, shivering, terrified. 
this place. It was exactly as he remembered it. Every single detail. And then he heard something in the water. Oh no. Not this part. Something disturbed the surface of the water. And he saw it moving closer to the edge where he lay. He sat up abruptly, unable to scream or run, unable to even breathe. And it started to come out of the water. He saw a mass of white, tangled, messy hair covering its face. Skin that was inhuman. Almost transparent, it was so white. Hair so long it reached beyond its waist. And, with pale fingers that were webbed with white flesh, it began to claw its way onto the stone with him. He tried to scramble away, but he was so cold and so afraid that he couldn't move. It pulled itself out of the water and crawled its way to him. Slow, aching, weak. He couldn't see its face, but he assumed it was ancient, or monstrous, or injured. He didn't want to see its face, it was terrifying enough. And beyond its waist were scales. Scales that were white and opalescent, shining and shimmering against the black rock. No legs, but a tail. A long, beautiful, shimmering fishtail that ended in a huge fan of pearl-colored fins. Just as he saw this, the creature raised its hands to his face, where they, cold and soft, began to feel his face, examining every detail. And as it did, it let out a gentle sigh. <sighs> You've come, it whispered. And he raised a trembling hand and carefully pushed the mess of white hair out of the thing's face, afraid of what monster might be hiding behind it, but needing to see it, finally see it. The face was young and smooth, and perfect. The lips were full and blue, corpse-like and yet lovely. The cheekbones were high and sharp, more sharp than any humans he'd ever seen. The neck was lined with hollow gills that struggled just a little with the air. But her eyes... Her eyes were huge and open wide, and they were completely white, focused on him, even though they could see nothing. He looked into her beautiful, empty eyes, and as she held his face in her hands, he moved his hands to hold her face, and in her eyes... He saw a world of sparkling crystals and clear water, beautiful moonlit nights, an underwater haven during the day, and endless loneliness and sadness. She did not hunger for his fear. She hungered for him. Born in solitude under the same moon that he was born under, born to no family, born to this cave, 
We were destined, she whispered. You found me, finally. He realized then that everyone had only recently begun having the same dream as him, because she was desperate, desperately calling out to him, trying to reach him by any means necessary. And it had worked. I found you, he whispered, amazed. And she grinned, and before he knew what was happening, her arms quickly wrapped around him, much stronger than he would have ever guessed. And everything blurred as she pulled him into the pool with her. And the world began to shrink away from him as he saw, far above him through the water, the vague sign of sunrise. And she swam down, down, down with him. Just as the pressure began to hurt him, and he panicked with the lack of air in his lungs. She pressed her lips against his. And I think he was all right after that. Certainly the dreams stopped. For everyone, after that. I did look down into that cave. Once. At night. And I saw two ripples in the pool and two pairs of white, alert eyes. Not looking at me. Looking at each other. I haven't looked at you in some time, my love. Haven't really seen you. Perhaps it's time that I do. But you must promise to see me, too. Open those black, empty eyes and fill them with me. Hi everyone, how have you been this week? This is Kristen Zaza, and thanks so much for stopping by and listening to episode 33 of On a Dark Cold Night. A few housekeeping questions for you if you're a fan of the show and interested in helping me make this show everything it can be, and helping me reach a wider audience. 1. Have you been listening to the show on Radio Public? No? Well, guess what? It's free. And every listen that my show gets through the Radio Public app counts towards me as the podcaster being paid. So, food for thought. Have you left a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podknife? No? Well, it would mean the world if you did. And I'd be sure to share your feedback on air on the show. Have you checked out my pages on Coffee and Patreon? I'm trying to raise some funds to hopefully soon buy some new sound equipment to help the quality of the show improve, so if you wanted to donate or even just share the pages in case someone else who enjoys the show would like to contribute, check us out at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight or patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Have you followed me on Twitter at the darkcoldnight, Instagram at darkcoldnightpodcast, Have you liked my Facebook page for On a Dark Cold Night? 
Well, hey, why not? I would love to hear from you guys. Anyway, thanks so much for listening and checking out the show this week. I hope you're well, taking care of yourself and your loved ones. See you next week. Good night. <laughs>